1: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 798. Katie, what do you have on the Nerdist community cork board? What's Uh, happening in the Nerdist community that might be relevant to their interests?
0: I got two things. And um, Oren Brimmer, who worked on the Pete Holmes show, and he directed all the the, the bad man sketches that they did. He just premiered a 22-minute short on shortoftheweek.com. It is a surreal rom-com, and it's starring Josh Rubin, Pete Holmes, George Basil, Megan Neuringer, and more. And you can find it by going to facebookcom film. And it's really fun. It's a, it's really great, and everyone's really funny in it. And then also, speaking of Pete Holmes, he is filming his special this Saturday, April 16th, at the Vic Theater in Chicago. The early show is sold out, but the late show at 9 p.m. still has tickets available. So you can go to
2: PeteHolmes.com to get this. Yeah, that'll be a great show in the Vic Theater. Oh, yeah. Great. Pete Holmes just killing it. Got a yeah, new know, show coming right? out with Rushing Judd. Everything, it's good stuff. Uh, I got another fun Boston thing uh, for the PAX East attendees on April twenty first. The Boston Museum of Science is ho- co hosting a live action text adventure game. Uh, now I know Chris, uh, you uh, belong to the Church of Zork. <laughs> I do belong to the Church of Zork. <laughs> yes, I absolutely. I I was uh,
1: I I was eaten by a grew. Oh, No, no.
2: <laughs> yeah. Should have gone the other way. I, I should have. Yeah, I should have typed. I should have typed L instead of R. Mm. I uh, I remember really playing that game as a kid, going like, "So this was fun before other video games."
1: <laughs> we had to use our
2: imagination. I felt like the same. I've had the same reaction to that as when I was like, "Man, the pioneers in covered wagons." Yeah, that's basically where we're <laughs> digital pioneers. But they're covered doing wagons. one called Space Station, and it's going to be. I think be... maybe you were thinking of Oregon Trail. Oh. Yeah, that was also a game, but that was slightly more fun than Zork. <laughs> yeah, okay. There no. Was
1: you're wrong. small. Zork was there was great. a graphic
2: interface and graphic interface yeah. over just text-based interface. I want you to play Zork the Grand Inquisitor. It was a game made by Activision. Now that game's CD-ROM. awesome though, yes, because it's, awesome. it's it's text-based but it also has elements not, to it. it. There
1: there is a text element, element to, to it, yeah. it, but it's mostly Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. I'll, I'll I'll
1: go all day with those. Sweet Essentially 90s narrated games. by Michael McKean. Yep, and uh, and uh, you got a little Dirk Benedict in there. Yeah. You got. Uh there's a Rip Taylor cameo in there it's great i we did love it.
2: putting Rip Taylor cameos into stuff in the 90s so just
1: uh pony up some Zork mids and uh, play yourself uh, <laughs> Well, some Zork if the you Grand guys Inquisitor. didn't
2: get to enjoy uh, the original classic Zork uh, they're doing a thing called Space Station and it's going to be a text adventure projected onto the ceiling of the planetarium that's that's pretty cool as shit it's going to be a really cambridge cool. science it's part of the cambridge science festival so again april 21st boston museum of science go check it out and enjoy a planetarium and text adventures Excellent. Excellent. I love
0: planetariums.
2: Oh yeah, I'm a big fan. They're my favorite. You know who I'm a big fan of? Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah. Who was in this episode.
1: Somehow we got Gary Oldman on the podcast. That's a good time. I, I am and he was he was really incredible. We both
2: had the same reaction where we realized neither of us had heard his real speaking voice before. He started talking <laughs> and, and made it, the it same kind f- of like threw oh. me off guard. Oh, that's it. <laughs> but um but it was a pretty
1: it was a pretty incredible episode and he was really open and uh and just a lovely man and his uh, his when we got into the part where he was talking about uh, being friends with Bowie and and all that, I mean, it was, uh, it was pretty, it was touching, pretty, pretty heart wrenching and, and also amazing that he was comfortable enough to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want, I don't want ever want people to feel uncomfortable about stuff that they're talking about, but he seemed, he seemed okay with talking about it. And it was, it was really, it was really beautiful. He was a, he was a really phenomenal guest and, uh, I'm excited for you to hear him,
2: <laughs> maybe for the first time ever, <laughs> as Gary Oldman, the voice you'll hear that isn't Chris, is in fact, <laughs> Gary, <laughs> is in fact Gary
1: Oldman. But uh, he was a great sport, and we loved having him on. So he's promoting Criminal, which is in theaters this Friday, April fifteenth. Kevin Costner is also in this movie.
2: I plan on spending all the... day singing that Fiona Apple song to promote it. There's a there's there's a Ryan Reynolds in the movie as Ooh. well. There's a there's a little bit of a a a, a memory implantation uh, storyline. So you're saying you've got Com- Jim Gordon and Deadpool in the same movie. Along with the Submariner from Waterworld. I did. Now I just have. What
1: I need out is a good girlfriend. Cause I'm feeling like a criminal.
2: April <laughs> fifteenth. Uh,
1: thank oh, you very go, much.
2: And it's April fifteenth when that movie opens. Now it's also and Tax it's Day. Gary now. All right. Okay.
1: Okay. People have turned off the podcast oh. now. We've actually ruined. Here's the nurse Podcast number seven ninety eight with Mr. Gary Oldman
2: now entering nerdist.com
0: we were just with Larry King
1: Larry King
0: yeah hello Sire Cruz I'm on my marlin
1: <laughs> <laughs> did, you do his, did you do his classic Larry King stunt where he'll ask you a completely innocuous question and then he'll ask you a super serious question that you're not prepared for?
0: No, it was, it was actually uh, very smooth sailing. And, um, and it's always good sometimes to share the load. So it was Kevin and I together.
1: So you don't have to, you don't have to shoulder the whole thing yourself? No,
0: yeah, but... Um, Larry yeah, is an
1: was, inspiration of a human being.
0: He is... Uh, I mean, I don't... I, I don't know... I mean, I know who he is. Yeah. And I know that he's, you know, over the years, he's certainly, certainly met um, his share of very, very uh, interesting people. He was just telling an anecdote about um, Danny Kaye. <laughs> who, he had, who he had, interviewed, um, but he's outlived them all. Oh wow!
1: Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he he used to hang with the Rat Pack. Like he was a he was a oh yeah. Sinatra friend. Yeah, he's got
0: a lot of great history there.
1: Yeah. It's like generations ago. That yeah. guy's been around,
0: but he's but he's um he 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 you know he liked the film and was uh, was very uh, was very kind. Can't complain.
1: <laughs> I think I'm just realizing I don't know if I knew what your natural speaking voice sounded like. I've seen you in so many different things. Yeah,
0: I know over the years. I don't know if I know really anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To be honest with you. Do you wake up some days and go, I think it's this now. Okay, maybe it's this.
0: You know, I've lived here in America for 22 years. Not always in California, but and um, my kids are American. So, um, I feel, I'm not a citizen, but I'm, you know, a resident. Um, but, uh, I feel, I don't, I don't, I don't really know if I, I don't quite know where I'm from anymore. You know, it's, I, I'm sort of, I, I have some family now in, in, in the UK, um, and I go back to Europe. I work a lot in Europe because no one makes movies here anymore. You know? <laughs> right. um, it's all generated from here, and then you have to go to places like Bulgaria to to, to, to do it. But um, I, I, this is home.
1: This feels like home to you. Yeah. Nice. When I
0: when I go when I travel and or work away, and we're just coming in. Uh, you come. You, you know, you're coming in over Vegas. And you start that sort of slow... Thereafter, you start the descent. Yeah. And you come in over sort of California. Uh, I feel, uh, I'm home. You, know?
2: you
1: cry. You, you, it's always... You, you just get past the mountains, so you get yeah. the turbulence from the mountains, and then the circuit board of Los Angeles. That's it. The expansive yeah. circuit board.
0: Yeah. And I feel, home.
1: you know, I'm on my way. Do you ever do you purposely take chunks of time off, or does do you just do you work when you feel like you like something? It really,
0: it it really depends. Um, I have said yes to something, which I can't talk about right now because it's not official. Um, That is um, mountain of a role to do. And the rest of my year was off, and now it's going to be taken up with doing that. So um, it was not... It, it, it was whispered, you know, a year ago, Yeah. but it wasn't on the horizon until a couple of days ago. So it's the sort of... You still live the gypsy life, you know? I mean... And the way they make movies now, because of the way movies are financed, because of the way that the distribution is getting smaller, and you know, there's that less number of distributors. Yeah. And I mean, when I first started in the in the industry, you could, you know, you could, li- I mean, literally book a holiday because you knew you were going to start a movie on a certain date, you were going to end. On a certain date there were going to be no overages there were going to, certainly going to, there were not going to be any pickups and reshoots and you would finish a film and then have a break or with your family or go on holiday or you know you could plan things now you can't you know they say a movie's going to happen and then a week or two weeks before it happens it isn't happening or it's been pushed. Or a movie will come together really quickly, yeah. Um, and your life is—I mean, all over the place. I, I don't, I don't, I don't book holidays
1: and things anymore. How do you ever feel? How do you ever feel stable? Like, what do you kind of grab onto in the midst of all that to sort of feel like you have eh. some control over your life? <clears throat>
0: you don't you know it's it it's a sea I swim swimming I've been an actor for thirty seven years I'm used to it i don't ever panic that i i don't have to just keep keep working and panic because it because it stops. I always sort of think well they' you know something will come along you know um, and i do and I, I do, you know, I do, I do other things, so I fill my time.
1: I read that you're directing a biopic about Edward Mybridge. Is that yeah, correct?
0: I mean, if if it well, we hope if it, if it all comes together, but yeah, it's a project I've been working on. I started writing it three and a half years ago. Jeez, but and then it's uh, I'm very proud of it and um and now recently i got someone attached and i think it will be which which is sort of a a game changer but i'm i'm not i'm not i would would, i'm not going to hold my breath
1: are you going to are you not going to be in it no i'm going to direct it yeah could you ever direct yourself
0: i suppose so i have i don't i'm i Um, I don't wish to (laughs) why is that Um, I like I don't like wearing people can do it and, and some people do it incredibly well I've just been you know in this movie I'm with Kevin Costner and just spent the last you know 40 minutes with him and he does it he does it he does it very well um So it's in in awesome worlds and but I mean it obviously it can be done um, I don't like um sharing my time I, I I you know if i'm working on something I want to only work on that one thing and give it everything. Yeah And I don't really want to be worried I don't want to be things I think there's things that happen in, in, in rehearsal and when you're shooting, accidents and things happen that you don't plan and that you'll see something and you think, oh, how I thought of it. I thought it was this, but I'm seeing something else develop. I'm seeing something else happen. And I, li- I like that. Yeah. I like the um, where, where you've, you've got, not preconceived, but at least you've got some kind of plan. And then it switches and it changes, mm-hmm. and I want—I—I I don't know. For me, I wouldn't want to be inside of it and outside of it at the same time. Yeah, it's mu- it's much easier to recognize when you're just outside of it, when you're outside, to be objective and subjective at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know if I could. I, I'd be good at that
1: or enjoy it. Are you because you're because you're so comfortable with what you do. When you're working, are you completely locked in and completely focused, or does the back of your brain start going? Uh, I gotta, you know, I know I have those dinner plans next week. Like, is, is half of your brain somewhere else sometimes? Or are you able to focus? I,
0: I tell you what, you, you know the the old question that people ask you. Certainly, when I was in the theatre, um, uh, not saying that I'm not in the theatre anymore, but when I did a lot of theatre back in the day. People would say, you know, how do you remember all those lines? They'd see you in a play for three hours. And and I would always say, I forget everything else. (laughs) And it is about focus and concentration. So I I can have a, a... you know, once you've done the work, you need the, you, the the base, the the ground zero needs to sort of be there. Before, you know, there's a certain amount of work that you have to do. But I feel that once you've done the work, then you can come in and out of it. Yeah. But you focus for those moments when the camera's rolling. Um, I mean, a great example of uh, you know Tony Hopkins. Um, when we, for instance, when we did Hannibal, um, you know, Tony, we're telling jokes... And then they go, okay, everyone get ready. We go you know, and you say so the so the so the I don't know, so the bishop he goes into the uh, he goes into the he goes into the the the, the, the 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 shop and he says to oh hang hang on a minute, hold that thought like that and then you go and do a bit of acting and then you they say cut and they go, Well, oh, there's five minutes and you go, anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. So the bishop <laughs> was, I mean that you know, in like any Like, and, you know, it, it, when it, when it, when it, when you're in it, when you're doing it, 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 you know, it demands all your focus and attention, but, um, you've got to, there's got to be moments of levity. Were you you always
1: that way? Or do you feel like when you were younger, you were more like, I got, I need all this time to myself.
0: No, I, I like crews. Yeah. I like the people on the set yeah so i'm not one of those people that will it depends what kind of scene i'm in you know sometimes scenes are are, are more demanding than others you may have a, a heavy a heavy day of dialogue or emotional scene or something you know and and i'll take time to you know reflect on it yeah what's coming up but um i like I like the crew. I, I like mo- most. Mo- you know, really, I've been very lucky. I work with some great actors, very nice people, and often crews are really great. So I, I like to not be one of those people. I don't lock myself away in a trailer. You know, if 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 it isn't if the, if the wait isn't too long between setups, I would rather just hang on the set, and chat with the sound guy, or. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's pretty important, because for someone who is where you are at, if the crew sees that you're cool, I mean, it's like the higher up on the call sheet your name is, the cooler you are, I think it sets a complete tone for the rest of the production, which has a trickle-down effect, I think.
0: Yeah, and it's not about um, a need to be, it's who I am, you know. I'm not airs and graces and, you know, my nose is in the air. (laughs) Or I think I'm better than anyone else. I'm just one of the gang. We're a team together. That's how I sort of see it. Movies, especially movie making. You know, you're, I mean, a director in a play directing a play is is uh, it's uh, an integral vital part of the process but at some point the director has to surrender the play over to the actors because it's the actors that are going to do it and he's not going to necessarily be there every night and you go you own it now it's your thing movie making is is not is not like that so there's there is that oh, there's that one person who's the commander, the captain. But he needs a lot of help. He cannot just do it on his own. It takes a takes a whole team, down to the driver mm-hmm. who picks me up. You know, um, and these are the people that you that you see in the morning. Before you meet before you see the director, I see my driver and the makeup people before I even meet the director. So those those elements are are vital. And if my driver doesn't pick me up on time, then the whole mechanism, the whole day is out of sync. So at six o'clock in the morning, the most important person is my driver. Right. That's kind of how I see it,
1: you know. I think I I was reading something that, and, you know, who knows the veracity of what you see on the internet, but did you turn down Sid and Nancy a bunch because you didn't, you wanted to keep doing theater?
0: Yeah, I've turned, I've turned, yeah, turned down a couple of things in the past through wanting to do a play or... It it wasn't anything other than... I was a... I liked soul. I was James Brown guy. I liked David Bowie. I liked, you know... I had my sort of... and Motown and all that kind of stuff. Stevie Wonder. Um, Beatles, of course. But... So it was... And I was slight... I was at that generation where wasn't as impactful on me Mm -hmm. you know the pistols and all that that new music Mm -hmm. so it was really initially it was just something that didn't interest me i just thought who cares about sid vicious (laughs) you know what i mean it's not like they're making it's not like they're making a movie about john lennon right you know it's like you know he couldn't even fucking play the guitar <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was really the you, you know it didn't interest me and, um, and then my agent kept ragging, ragging on me at the time and um, and he said look you know you've never done a movie and you know I think this could be could be something um, and then you know, once I was involved and in it, you know, I took it, you know, I gave it every, I gave it my best, my best effort. But um, I was just telling an anecdote downstairs because he asked a question about, um, you know, have you ever turned anything down that you regret or whatever? And I've turned a bunch of things down that other actors have had a huge success with. Obviously, if you turn a movie down. And it's in its in its um and it isn't so corely dependent on you, you know. Like, you know, I don't know how they would get the money for the revenant if Leonardo DiCaprio was not in it, right? So it's totally cast dependent, you need Leonardo to get the movie made. But if you're, but if you're you know a script comes in and you go no it's a pass you know that someone else is going to do it and they may have a great success with it so that's always a risk you take sure. you know if you turn something down it 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 you know you might be walking away from a bag of gold you know what i mean but i i don't have regrets necessarily but uh i was you know i was telling him a story that that you know i was years ago i was in the running for edward scissorhands oh wow and tim burton was somewhat of an unknown commodity really and i read this really strange script about you know this kid who lived in this castle and um within you know five minutes of, it, of, of reading it you know there's an avon lady turning up at the door selling makeup to this kid who's got hands of scissors and the rest of it and i thought i, I don't get this at all <laughs> and uh, i thought no it's not for me you know i just said i don't get it I, and then i saw it and at and the and I remember the opening shot was this sort of panning, sort of crane shot going over suburbia with all these different colored houses. And then it just ended on this sort of Dracula castle. And I went, yeah, I get it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But you, at the time, it was what it was. You but, know?
1: The, but for every Tim Burton script that you turn down, I'll, most of the stuff you pass on, you... Probably is not going to turn out that way. Like, it's, it's, it really is, I think, kind of a numbers game. Of course, they're going to pick the one or two, like, oh my God, you were almost in that. But there must be a hundred things that you turned down that was like, yeah, it's probably a good thing you, you turned those other things Sometimes down.
0: Sometimes you turn down things, yeah. I've turned down things and people have won Academy
1: Awards. But that's, that's got to be rare. Most of the time, it's like, oh yeah, okay, that was kind of a shitty thing and it's a good thing I didn't do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you get. <laughs> you, there's all sort of, there's variables, and it's life circumstances. When you're a young actor and you don't have responsibilities, you can be a little bit more cavalier with with stuff and You say I want to do this and I don't care that there's no money and I don't care that it's shooting in Africa And I don't care that I have to spend half the movie naked covered in spiders (laughs) This is this is a great film and I want to do it When you've got Family And you're older your Things shift your responsibilities and things are different. So then something might come in, and you say, I really like this, but I have promised to be around with my family, or my kid is going to be graduating, and I really need to be on him. You know, uh, he's got this last year at school. I can't be away for five months of it in Bulgaria. So you have life circumstances Mm -hmm. that, that change it rather than if you're free and easy breezy twenty year old doesn't really matter where you live, you've got no responsibilities, you got I I so um, it, it it's 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 the weird thing. I mean with with criminal I met this Script came in, and they say, you know, it's this sort of brain transplant movie. Mm-hmm. And you go, really? Some guy gets a, someone's memory, and... I met Ariel, and I really liked him. And he seemed to have a really good take on the material. Like, I could, vis- I could, I could see the film that he wanted to make, this thriller... I liked him a hell of a lot and I wanted to also Kevin and I had worked together on JFK mm-hmm. and then later Tommy Lee came on board, who was also in JFK. So it was really a nice thing to um reconnect with Kevin. Um uh, and and work with Ariel, who I really liked, who had also made a pretty decent movie with the Iceman, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're looking at a situation where you're going, it's five weeks of my life. I could probably think of worse places to be than... A, you know, and you and you have to size someone up, and you say, "Can I spend fourteen hours a day around this person?" You know, um, and I thought Eric was just a great guy, and I thought, and and also Kevin's commitment—once he's in, he's in. You know, Kev is. You know, he's not. He's not going to. Just kind of cash in or walk through it, you mm-hmm. know what i mean he's he's going to give it his best, so that was that that was also exciting you know that you you're you're with someone who is uh where we're we're in it um, so those you know those for in, that just as an example those were the sort of circumstances. That you, that, that, you know, things come along or come by and you think, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I could do that. But, yeah. But
1: JFK is one of those, like, it's like the, it's like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit of every major actor you could possibly, in one, I mean, it's almost silly, everyone who's in that movie, mm-hmm. that was not only big at the time, but then just continued to...
0: yeah. I mean, many many of them are not alive anymore. Yeah.
1: When you were researching that, I read that you spent time with Oswald's f- family. Yeah. So what do you say to them <laughs> when you show up and you go, "Okay, I'm going to play Lee Harvey Oswald." Uh, what can you tell me? Like, how do you how do you get how do you, how do you make them comfortable with what you're doing and how do they trust you? Or how how does that work?
0: Well I think with 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 JFK Oliver was you know, because he's this political animal and he's a conspiracy. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the most paranoid men I've ever met. He's, uh, <laughs>
1: you know... All the signs are there! Yes,
0: they are there. So he so had this take on the script, which, having then started to sort of read and meet various people... You know, it is pretty extraordinary, yeah. some of the things in the film that actually happened. Mm-hmm. And so, you could, so you've got to get on board with um, Oliver's vision. Because mm-hmm. I can't walk on the set every day and go, you know, I think Oswald killed him.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> you <know. laughs> you
0: <know. laughs> you're just not going to get anywhere with that. <laughs> So you have to get on, <laughs> the, you have to jump on the train with him. Yeah. And I think because he was showing an alternate sort of thing sure. where he was saying, yeah, he may have peripherally been involved, but he was set up mm-hmm. and he was exactly what he said he was, a patsy. Mm-hmm. Then you're going in and meeting, you know, the daughter and the wife and you're... You're you're sympathetic to their plight from the beginning, so it's a lot easier doing it that way than going in and saying I I think your ex-husband was an absolute fucking monster, right? And uh, he killed the president, and that's the guy we're going to show. You know, so it was a little a little easier to to uh, the ice had been broken. Let's sure, that of way. course, of course, and then. And I now was recently going through an old trunk that was in the basement for God knows how long, and I found a, a, a really lovely letter from Maria. Different people. It was. A, it was. It was a great. It holds a special memory for me because not only do I think it's one of Oliver's best. I mean, he's talk about firing on all cylinders. You know, it's a great piece of writing. Yeah. You forget. We 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 sometimes forget. You know, how good people like Coppola and Oliver Stone are just as writers, let alone filmmakers. I mean, they're just great writers. So it was a really fantastic piece of writing and a great, as you said, a great, great cast. But there was very little on the page for me. And he just gave me a bunch of pocket money and a couple of plane tickets and said, go and meet these people and find out who Oswald was. So you were both sort of actor, investigator, sort of detective. Um, and there were some people that, you know, it was all take it with a pinch of salt. I mean, once you say that you're doing the, you, you know, you're doing the research and all the rest of it, you know, then everybody you meet was Oswald's friend. You know oh, what Rain. I mean? and, you, and you, but there were, there, there were some extraordinary um people that i met including a guy i don't even know if he's i'd have to check to see if he's still alive but he was a guy colonel fletcher prouty who was a liaison officer at the pentagon who in fact is the person that x is based on donald sutherland oh wow nearly everything that sutherland says in the movie is true where the phone lines went down and he was shipped here and But, I mean, it was... uh, And he told us this incredible story about Alan Dulles and this DC-6 and how they had put Gary Powers on that plane. That was a whole phony mission. That was was not... That the president didn't know about. And how the CIA would work back then. And he said... uh, it was it was a, a, absolutely extraordinary, and um, so history says Gary Gary Powers was on a mission, gets shot down, and they call and they say, well, they've got Gary Powers and they've got all the plans. You know, they have got the U two spy plane. He said he he's he said that that had all happened much that that had all happened before, and the phone rang and they said we got a problem that a DC-6 that Alan Dulles owned that the president did not know about had been captured with the documents of the spy plane. And it just so happens that Oswald was a radar operator at Ozugi Air Base in Japan for the U-2 spy plane. I mean, it's it's you you know it all becomes. So they got this call, and they thought, "Hell, what are we going to do? We can't go to the president and tell him because he will say." What DC-6? Right. And then we have to say, well, Alan Dallas has got this plane and, the, the, the you know, you don't know about it, but the <laughs> thing... And he's flying it here and there and doing stuff covertly behind your <laughs> back. Oh, are you mad? Are you mad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you upset? <laughs> are, you, are you upset? <laughs> I'm sorry. So he said, what are we going to do? And they want to do a deal, but then now you're dealing with the Russians and... They want something in return, but we've got to do it under a certain amount of time because they're going to release this material, so we're all going to be embarrassed anyway. So what are we going to do? Okay, so we send the U-2 spy plane out over Russia. We put Gary Powers in it, and we give him half a tank of fuel, and to fly at 90,000 feet, 70,000 feet at the time they used to pump hydrogen through the engine Mm -hmm. so he said we put him on a plane and we gave him half a tank of hydrogen and when he got over the airspace he ran out of hydrogen and that meant the plane had to come down from 70,000 feet to 35,000 feet and they picked him up on the radar and then we could go to the president and say oh god they shot down the plane and they got the we need to do a deal. Now he, you know, I heard it from him. Can I say it's true? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I believed him, but uh, so we don't really know, do we? <laughs>
1: did that? Did, does working on something like that, and then you hear that, and you and you realize the stakes of what the reality of those situations are, does it kind of make you go, "Oh, yeah, I guess." You know, acting's really maybe not. A, maybe the stakes aren't as high sometimes as they feel like because that's those are national security issues.
0: With, oh, look, you know what I mean. You live this gypsy life. You dress up <laughs> in clothes, put makeup on, and pretend you're other people. I mean, yeah, it's not exactly. Uh, I mean, we all love stories. We love. We love. To, we love to see what people do. You know. We, um, so storytelling is, uh, is, is vital, I think, and important, but, um, you know, in the scheme of things, (laughs) uh, we are, I mean, here was a guy I watched the other night and he came on TV and his name was so ridiculously complex and and long. I I couldn't even begin, I couldn't even begin to pronounce it but he was a guy that was going into the territories behind enemy lines and rescuing women that had been captured by isis mm-hmm. and they were like as uh, slaves and being raped and you know and he had found this girl who was 9 years old that had been raped 20 times Jesus. a day and my hat goes off to him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, you know, I'm, oh, God, I've got to go first class to London and make a movie. You know? Well, I know, but... No, I mean, I oh like, dear. Poor me. Poor me. You know what I mean? I gotta go off and work with Kevin Cosner. Oh, oh god,
1: it's so You know in first class you wanted the lasagna, but they'd already run out of the lasagna, and so then it's like do you get the you get the steak? And it's like, oh and on an airplane, it's not always Oh no. But you know what you, you, you And yeah, New Zealand. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one, folks. But (laughs) now you have to be a spokesman for New Zealand. Now, Air New Zealand's going to be like, "Oh, Gary Oldman." And it's a third of the cost. (laughs) The
0: service is immaculate. I know them all there. I know them well.
1: Air New Zealand, Gary Oldman's favourite airline. That's it. (laughs) Uh, Come to Auckland, (laughs) Gary Oldman does. (laughs) (laughs) Loves crowded house. trying to think of as many Kiwi things like that. Oh, no, keep going. Fly to the
0: Concords. That's it. He
1: loves the Hobbit. Loves the Hobbit. I mean, you, you know, when you put things in that perspective, of course, it, any logical person would go, yeah. I mean, like, those people are doing oh. the real life of it. But, you know, even as we joke about, yeah. yeah, but people really do get into that. Like, people really do think that way. There are people who are, who are that way. Well, that, like that. Wants- they don't really necessarily, particularly in this town, that don't necessarily have the that type of uh, the being tethered to the human perspective of you know we're lucky to do what we do, and it's kind of silly that we get to do what we do, and it's not you know it's not rescuing people behind enemy lines, but some people do give it that kind of gravity every once in a while.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a
1: occasionally you'll get a story,
0: you see, you know, a script. Um, which is just it, it, and it 's pure it 's artistry and and there 's a craft and a skill in doing it in the same way a painter has or a dancer or a singer or a songwriter or you know um i'm not i'm not i love the arts but truth and poetry you know i 'm glad that i that i 'm in it, and it rescued me it has been everything from what I'm not sure but it did I just think it's given me um, I love I love being around the arts I, I've been lucky I love I love painting I love photography you're a musician and then, too yeah I love music I love the written word uh, you know i just think it's uh, it's been a really great it, it's i've i've had a great life it's and it's it, from it and i've been i have been six, i have been successful um but uh it, it's been a, just s- such a sea to swim in really i can't complain and i and i just love i love the 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 creativity that you, I mean, I, you probably read or know, you know, I was a friend with David Bowie. I yeah. mean, I knew David for a long, a long time. Yeah. But you listen to that sort of last album and you, here's a man that is told that he's ill and it's terminal. And you, that there's, you know, you could either go one way or the other with it, you know what I mean? And he could have... It could have gone in a very negative direction. Sure. And instead, he sort of surrendered to it, and he embraced it, and he turned it into something that was creative for us, you know? And that's what he left, you know, a man... Psychologically, physically, struggling with his mortality—that that's really what that album is about—and, um, and that, as he said, you know, that is his door to perception. That is the house he lives in. Creativity. And you listen to some of those songs, as I was in the car the other day, and you listen to a lad insane," and you go, "Wow, that came out of someone 's head that just came out of someone 's head and now it and it, and it, and it, and it and it exists you know I do that a lot with I do it with architecture and what 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 was it? I was uh, traveling out to Palm Springs the other day and I saw a 19, I think like 6465, you know, Thunderbird. And I went, "Fuck me, that came out of someone's head." <laughs> they just sat down one day and went,
1: you know, "There it is. How's this?
0: Yeah, how's that?"
1: But you must, I mean, you must have some understand. I mean, because I'm sure, you know, people watch your performances and they go, "Well, how did he get to there? Like how did he cuz sometimes I think when you're when you do something and you see other people do it, you go, "Okay, I see the code. I see how he got this person got from this and this is." But every once in a while, like you are saying with Bo, you go, "Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you get from there to there." You know, you must understand what that feels like to a degree, right?
0: But sometimes it's a happy, sometimes they're happy accidents. Sometimes there, there's a great story there's a great story that Anthony Hopkins told me years ago and I'm talking 25 maybe 30 years ago he was in a play at the National Theatre and it was a it was a David Hare play um, and it, uh, Pravda mm-hmm. and it was about a sort of Murdoch type takeover guy you know that would Eat up a newspaper and <laughs> right. and come in and buy it and turn it into a tabloid or you know um, and Lambert LaRue was the character's name and Tony Hopkins uh, had been away from the British stage in in England for for a number of years came back and was in this play in the National and. You knew from the very moment he came out, he had this sort of speech that he gave that was a short sort of little monologue in just in a spotlight. And when he came out and started to, you know, and began, you knew instantly that you were in the presence, in the company of one of the greatest performances of the 20th century. It was... It was mesmeric. It was like, holy shit. And you kind of just knew that you were in for this wonderful evening in, in the presence of this actor that was just going, to, yeah. And he had a very, very, very particular way of moving in this play. And I later met Tony and later worked with him and I asked him a question about it. And I said, it was the way that you moved. And I can't, obviously, it's uh, this is not visual, but... but. Um, and, he, and, he, and he would sort of stand there, and when he turned to people and spoke to them, his feet would stay on the ground, but he would, like, lean in like this, <laughs> right? And he would lean, like this kind of thing. And I said, how'd you come up with that physicality? And I said, that was so great, <laughs> the way you moved. And he said, in uh, his... And the way Tony does, he said, well, you know, I was in, uh, I was in a rehearsal. He said it was a uh, technical rehearsal. I was I'm standing on the stage, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was late in the day. And David Hare asked me something from the back of the auditorium. And I didn't hear him. And he said, and I was standing there. On stage, while well, they were doing the technical with the light. And he stood there and David Hayes said you, and he said, what was that? And he went, oh, that feels good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: And that was it. That was it? That, now, it takes someone to recognise it. Sure. That's where the talent is. Right. And the talent of Tony is, is, is you know, it's colossal. So instinct um instinct to, to to know to, to you know it, it someone might have just said what was that sorry oh yeah and then carried on and he did it and he went oh god this what have i just done i'm gonna this, this is how the character moves and i remember doing state of grace uh just really struggling with it I, I, for some reason I remember it was and then at the 11th hour I went to a costume fitting and I had long hair at the time and I uh, owed Bronson Howard was the costume designer and she had a selection of clothes for me and I put on this leather jacket, I remember I put on this leather jacket like that and I went like that with my hair flicked my hair like that and I didn't flick my hair to the side. It was kind of an angle up. And I just put this jacket on, went like that, with my hair like that. And I went, fuck it, that's it, I've got him.
1: <laughs> that was it, in that moment?
0: Yeah. And, and I thought, you know, th- I've got the physical. It all, it landed. It's what I call the cloak of inspiration. <laughs> and sometimes it lands. You hope. Sometimes it lands early. Sometimes it lands like it, and sometimes it doesn't land at all, and and you, you know.
1: Has there ever been, do you, do you have a role where people are like, you were so amazing in that, and you go, yeah, I don't feel, I don't think I got it, I don't think I got it. Most of it. Are
0: you kidding me? Come no, on. No, I burn most of it.
1: No. Yeah. If it
0: was in here now, I'd try it off the balcony.
1: <laughs> if someone just brought all the film cans in here. Yeah, fucking, you would pitch I'd them I'd off, toss
0: it over the wall.
1: Oh my God! Come on. Yeah. Is that is that a that's ne- all right though? Is that a natural self-deprecation, or is that like a no? I can do better. Or do you think you are hard on yourself that way?
0: I think you can do better, and I also think it's part of that. Yeah, it's like self-loathing.
1: Do you think that? If you don't want to talk about this, it's totally fine. I've been sober 13 years. 17. 17. Congratulations. And to you. Thank you. You think that's just a part of our brains. Just that sort of self that just like... What, that, stinking thinking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's destructive thinking because I, I, I notice... So I think part of, the, part of the myth of it is like, well, once you stop the thing, you should be okay. like, no, it's a product of a certain type of thinking. And that's the problem. It's not the substance. It's just a medicine. No, just just a yeah. It is it's, that. It is that that yeah. self-love that that stinking thinking thing that is you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I you, I think you get to a point where you kind of you've used it, you use you, it. You know, I think it's a certain it, when it becomes. When it when it becomes too, there's that thing of what what what's the, what, what's the definition of an alcoholic? It's an egomaniac with low self esteem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's total, I don't even like the term alcoholic because I feel like but, that makes yeah, it about the substance. Right. It's not about but, the substance.
0: But that's that. It it's it uh, that to me could be that could be an actor to me. Yeah. Or a a musician. You know, it, it, I think a healthy dose of doubt <laughs> makes you better yeah it's got to make you better somehow because you just go otherwise you just sit there you know loving everything you do i think it's the difference between i think it sort of separates the men from the boys i i think it's the difference between an amateur and a professional where an amateur will, I don't know, make a three-and-a-half-hour movie and think it's all fantastic and then just, you know, vomit it on you. You know what I mean? Like, like taking a big shit or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, a, and someone who really knows will go, it, it, it's terrific, but it really needs to be two hours. And that scene is amazing, but I have to take it out and cut mm-hmm. it. that that's what that that's what i think it sort of it gives you a it's 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 a weird thing it's almost like um it's almost sometimes like it's self-loathing and kind of instinct are related to me in some fashion i don't know how but they are they relatives
1: so you feel like you've developed a healthy relationship with it
0: yeah yeah Yeah, to the point where it's not destructive. And I don't mean destructive in terms of going off and, you know, doing drugs or anything. Right. Just making you fucking miserable. Sure, yeah. And depressed. Yeah. And miserable to be around, you know, where you're so full of self-doubt that it's
1: crippling. And it does affect every person. And then it affects
0: and, and your relationships and all of that. So I think you've got to have, you know, I don't you know you try not to take yourself you know too seriously with it and you get over yourself you know what i mean you go come on you know
1: well a lot of people listen to the show who either are kind of on the i get a lot of emails from people like oh i'm thinking about getting sober or i've been sober for like a year like what do you do in those trigger situations, like in those situations where you feel that, where you feel a depressor or you're in public and everyone around you is, you know, yeah. What, what do you do? I mean, what did you do to get through it? I avoided.
0: Really? I, I would just not put myself in circumstances. Yeah. Um, early on. Um, I think, I think I made a stand. I, when I first started to sort of, when I first got sober, they wanted me for a premiere and they wanted me to, to you know, do this kind of thing. I just didn't, I didn't end up doing it. Smart.
1: I mean, and I just a good said,
0: and, and also a movie came in early on and its location was difficult and it required me to be away, away from all my, my contacts and my meetings and you know what I mean and all of that. So I said, no, I can't. It's too dangerous.
1: That's smart. You have to respect I, you know, the power of it.
0: So I think you gotta, you've got to, you've got to get to you, that. That's the thing. You, you've got to give it, um, yeah, you've got to respect it. It's, it's very powerful. And, um, so you have to sort of, you, you, you have to help yourself. Yeah, you know, and it get and it gets it gets it gets better, but it, then it then then you know what do you what do you do? You live in life on life's terms, as they say, and um, and you just have to deal with it like other people do who don't have a a bottle of vodka.
1: Well, I think not. Every, I think I think learning that not every day has to be perfect. It's like, oh man, today sucked. Yeah, well, some day sucked. You know, some day you feel shitty. Some days you don't. Yeah. You don't feel on top of your game, but then uh, you'll be fine if you can just kind of weather it.
0: It's funny you bring it up because I just was speaking to someone who's in a relationship. And uh, one of them is, you know, going through a really tough time. And, and it's that thing of, you know, I said to them, it's such a monster when you're in it it's you it, when you're in the grip of it you know they're not int- intentionally trying to be horrible to you or selfish or they're, they're, they don't mean to hurt you but i said that the, the the piece of advice i can give you right now is it's almost it's almost like it's none of your business yeah. you know what i mean yeah it's um it's 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 hard but uh and that was only just actually today that someone what do i do what do i do and you go well it's not your job to really do anything it's them yeah they gotta wanna
1: they have to want it or it's not gonna work it's not gonna work otherwise i mean it is it's it's rough i feel for your friend i feel for your friend yeah
0: but i'm the further i get away from it the it's like another life now.
1: <laughs> I know exactly what you mean.
0: It's like I was someone else. You know what I mean? And I yeah. go, You were. Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah. But, you know, it's just... Th- it's fucking great that you figured that out. Some people don't.
0: Well, yeah. You mean like Richard Burton?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> didn't they take I mean, him to a pub after he died? And like they're like, well, he always I wanted to... I don't know, to- but it's like
0: some people... You you know, for all his—I don't know—it's just I sometimes think about it. For all his genius, you know, for all the great the thing and blessed with it all, and how smart he was, and all that—you go. You didn't get that one. No. You weren't smart enough to get that one.
1: And just a bummer that he probably couldn't enjoy everything that he was doing. Even you talk about Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And I just think it's just, I think it's important for people to hear you know people they look up to be human because like oh my god he's so amazing it's like yeah but he's a guy and he had struggles and so even you saying the thing about his movement he goes oh that was just a you know like I think that's so powerful and important those humanizing elements because I think it make, I think it helps people who are struggling feel like oh okay everyone else hasn't figured everything out and I'm fucking stupid you know like everyone has their own stuff even Richard Burton and Anthony Listen, Hopkins and Gary Oldman.
0: We don't, we don't, none of us escapes.
1: <laughs> we, we,
0: we all, you know, my dear friend, David, 69 years old, cancer, dead.
1: Yeah. Did you, you know, by the way? Yeah. You did. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So what do you learn? It's what, it's, you... it's, it's,
0: it's, it's what I call the cosmic shit hammer. Yeah. It just goes you.
1: There you go. Can't, is there anything you take away from that? Is there anything positive that you feel like I, you can learn from it? Listen, the,
0: the well, I've said this, you know, what I what I what I took away from it was um David never complained. I used to speak with him and we used to Skype or try to at least once a week never complained Uh, handled it all with such grace such humour and courage yeah and that's what you that's what you take, that's what you take away, you know, that's what you take away from it.
1: Well, I mean, when you sort s- of
0: example, you know, talk about power of example. You know, you just go, well, there's, there's it, it's, it's right there. You know what I mean? And he would, and if he'd had a bad week or a treatment or would, you know, whatever, you know, you'd, you like, you'd touch on it and then go, so what you've been up to? Uh-huh. and And that was uh that was how he uh and then turned it into something he turned it into poetry, really in that record um,
1: That's an amazing gift though, to see that and that be the thing that you get to take away of that lesson and that understanding and that connection to mortality and connection to humanity. I mean that's an incredible that's an incredible thing yeah it's a great
0: it's a yeah it's a fantastic it's, sorry
1: no please uh, I, I, I'm so it's about, uh, I'm so glad that you feel comfortable talking about it because no, it, people see Bo. people see him as this yeah. two dimensional legend and to, to hear that no he was a guy and he was an, he was a friend no, he was, and he was a like that's that's important
0: yeah yeah I see see I because I, I sort of knew David Jones
1: yeah you know what
0: I mean yeah I sort of Rather than uh, and occasionally you would be, you would be reminded that you go oh yeah, God, but um, but it was uh, and the the when I was I was recently you know I went well I you know I went to the UK and I did that picked up that. The Brit Award thing, yeah. you know, film. Um, the the love in the room. That it it was like, you know, in, in, I mean, I know it was a sort of, it was a shock everywhere around the, you know, around the world and in the music, it's certainly in the music industry. But in England, it was it's it, it you know, it's like Princess Diana dying or, or or you know, Sir Winston Churchill or something, you know what I mean? It's like national mourning. It it is the outpouring of uh sort of love for him. And then of course the papers, the main big newspapers that ran the pictures and the headlines are doing reprints you can order it online so that you can have uh, you know a copy of the the guardian or the sunday times with you know uh it's sort of um more than a national hero the response to his dying and it, it it was like um like some deity or something. You know yeah. what I mean? It was... Uh,
1: but ultimately...
0: And, and it surprised me. It shouldn't surprise me, but it did surprise me when we went to England and, and, and that room of... God, whatever that... O2 holds.
1: It was like 15,000 people. It's yeah, bit, something big. like...
0: It was humongous. And... all... you know, just love for this guy. It was um, quite something, you know.
1: Well, just on a personal level, he was your friend, and I'm really sorry. I mean, I really. It's. It was one of those things that I think people. He was a a person I think so many people connected to for so many different reasons for so many decades. Um, And I think everyone probably felt like they knew him because he just sort of radiated that type of persona. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but
0: you you do. But you do. But you do. I think. Yeah, you get people sometimes that are just That that pass on and they you you you've you know, there are certain people you feel like, you know, yeah Uh Yeah, but it's a love but one it was a wonderful thing to see Um
1: Does going on Working on a Do you take time to process stuff? Or do you go? You know, I need to go work and just kind of like.
0: No, I tell you what happened. What's been really sort of. And this is and this is totally accident. I mean, this is all sort of you know by accident, really. Um, I was, uh, I was involved with um, different music things and uh this uh we we had done this i have just got an, a i know a lot of sort of musicians and yeah. various you know music people and and uh, i've not got a band i'm not in a band or anything like that but uh we 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 do different occasionally we get together and do different things and and um there was this sort of reinterpreting Music series um, that uh, we'd done Molly Malone's, and we'd done this interpreting Peter Gabriel. Wow. And the, the head of it, um, let's just call him Scrote, S C R O T E, he's Scrote, that's his name. Um, and, he, and he said, You want to, I'm thinking of maybe doing another one. And doing a thing with 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 Dave, you know, with Bowie as a sort of celebration, a tribute, and so we 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 did that, and um, we actually did. We did LA, and then we came, uh, and then we just we just went to San Francisco. Um, and that's probably it now. I mean, that's it, it's it's it was it is what it is. It's done, but um, it was oddly. Um, cathartic it was um it was a way of communicating with David Uh connecting with him but he's not here you know what I mean yeah. so it was uh it was um it, it sort of um I needed it you know it sort of did me good
1: I'm glad to hear that yeah. Did they do? Did anyone record that anywhere? No, no,
0: no we we. It was just a, uh, up.
1: I have a feeling they're bugging. Probably I'm, probably, I'm, prob- I'm probably, I'm
0: probably, i done, and You're yeah. probably
1: done in a minute. Can you yeah. give f- four minutes to wrap yeah, up? Yeah, four minutes. Sure. Just so it's not yeah. like the end. That's, that's, yeah.
0: um, but
1: uh, <laughs> that's such. A, those are those are such lovely stories, and they're such human stories. And I, and and but I, and I also feel, I also feel bad because, of course, you know. Especially people who listen, listen to this podcast, I would have poked you around about Sirius Black or James Gordon or any of these. I, but I'm things yeah. you've talked about a million times. I've
0: talked about all of that. But it's so yeah.
1: wonderful to, because I really have not seen a lot of you as as you in anything, in interviews or. I mean, I haven't really seen that much of you, and it's really lovely to get to know you in this way. It's really it's it's really nice. Do you feel comfortable? Would you do more stuff like this?
0: I t- you know it, 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 uh, I don't yeah I mean I like I don't do um, I don't do print anymore
1: so you can't control what they're going to say
0: <laughs> yeah and I I've been burned a couple of times with things taken out of context sure and misquoted and, you know in this <laughs> and also the electronic is more, you know, if if someone said to me, you know, you want to do 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 an article with a newspaper, okay, you know, listen, if that was, if that was going to breach all those people, then this company wouldn't be spending money on all this TV advertising. I mean, you know where the, you. You know, you go, why is it that they spend all this money on TV advertising? So I think the electronic kind of thing. um, I mean, hell, you know, you can schlep around doing 10 articles that are print and kill it on Kimmel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's all you needed to do.
0: You're going to reach more people (laughs) doing the thing. But um, now you get to a point where you go, nah, I've been burned doing that. I don't um but it's all right yeah
1: oh this is amazing this was um, absolutely amazing i mean it was i mean obviously you know you know we're all huge i I, oh. I think it goes without saying we're all huge fans of yours and and so it to kind of mash the fandom down and go oh we're just going to talk to a guy and see how he processes information that's inter- that's really fascinating to me like hearing how people approach situations and hearing you deal with addiction and hearing you sad about your friend. I mean, those are all things that everyone experiences. And I think there are things that make will make people even go oh my god i fucking want to hang out with that guy i want to hang out with that guy now come on down (laughs) (laughs) criminal opens april 15th if i'm not mistaken april 15th yes
0: kevin cosner tommy lee jones
1: ryan reynolds ryan
0: reynolds yes and the lovely alice eve
1: alice eve yeah um and uh it's a
0: it's a it is what it is it's a thriller it's good 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 rump.
1: By the way, as we're ending this, I did not want to let it slide by that your Anthony Hopkins impersonation is fucking amazing. Well, I was sort of—I wasn't giving it my full. uh... Can I? Then I can ask you one favor. Yes. We (laughs) we end the podcast by telling people enjoy your burrito. It's sort of a mantra that means enjoy the present as it's happening. Would you end as Anthony Hopkins telling people?
0: Let me say, enjoy the burrito. I want you to enjoy that burrito. You, I, I mean, I could do Chris Walken. <laughs> yeah? Oh, <please. laughs> Enjoy your burrito. <laughs> All right, Cheers.
1: All right. Thank you so much,
2: man.
0: Right. Now leaving nerdist.com.
2: Enjoy your burrito.